Welcome to another Bitcoin and Beyond podcast. I'm Ben Kassner. This podcast is powered by AAX, the first exchange to make the switch to the Satoshi standard to drive the adoption of Bitcoin. Don't forget to follow us here, as well as across all our social media, and be part of the conversation. So in this video, I want to talk a little bit about an article that uh, we recently published, which is about axial transformations in the digital age. It's basically the idea that if we continuously talk about price, we're actually not even scratching the surface of what's really, really going on. So part of Bitcoin's volatility, I would say, is due to kind of our obsession with price. And so to counter that, I want to talk in this, art, in this video a little bit about uh, deep adoption. So when we talk about deep adoption, uh, usually we would say, well, it's people coming onto, onto the Bitcoin network and, you know, buying into Bitcoin and that is adoption. But if we look at like, what is deep adoption? Deep adoption is more to do with understanding, uh, with internalizing, and it's more about taking ownership. So one way to look at Bitcoin is to say, well, what does it do for CEOs that want to put it on their, on their balance sheets? Or how does it serve the unbanked populations in terms of financial services? Or what does it do for like, you know, cross-border transactions? So these are all kind of very financial perspectives on Bitcoin. But there is another way to look at this, which is more about how this technology speaks to this very particular age that we're in. And I would argue that Bitcoin uh, and its emergence signals a transformation of axial proportions. And axial sounds very big, and it is a big concept, and you should look it up like on Wikipedia or something. But axial uh, basically refers to the idea that there are these key periods in human history when uh, humanity as a collective actually unlocks new capacities and which brings about this kind of boom of innovation and this kind of burst of cultural virtue. What I would not say is that Bitcoin is the instigator. You know, I'm not saying that the actual age that we're in started in 2009 when Satoshi, uh, you know, uh, launched the cryptocurrency. Uh, but I would say that this is an ongoing process for more than over a century and that Bitcoin is absolutely one spoke in this giant wheel of transformation. It is a part of it. And I would also say that this argument uh, could be extended to include uh, other crypto assets as well. So there are two trends that are worth considering. The first one I would say is called redrawing the common. So in this way, uh, you know, we look at the world, we say it's pretty messy. There's still war. There are still in, there's still inequality. But generally, over the past kind of century or longer, we can see that humanity as a whole has become more interconnected and reluctantly, um, you know, interdependent. So the way to look at this, and this is pretty textbook, is, um, you know, there have been a lot of transformations in, uh, or advancements in transportation, in communication technology, and this has kind of altered our notions of time, of space, and of belonging. Uh, we can also say that, you know, in the past 200 years, we've seen like thousand-year-old monarchies and dynasties and empires crumble against the rise of federations and unions and nation-states. And furthermore, we've seen some big projects like decolonization, the formal abolition, abolition of slavery, uh, some really big strides have been made in terms of obtaining uh, universal suffrage. And while none of it is finished, and while everything is ongoing, um, there's been progress. And what I would say is that on the longer time frame, we could see there is an emergence of a kind of global consciousness and at the same time a kind of very strong insistence on individual sovereignty. From the global perspective, we can see uh, kind of, you know, identities that want to escape 
categorizations of like race, of gender, of uh, culture, of uh, status, uh, politics. You know, we want to escape this. We want to see like what do we have in common as human beings. And at the same time, we see a very strong insistence on a kind of core identity. So. What does it have to do with Bitcoin? Bitcoin doesn't immediately solve the problem of inequality or uh, systemic racism or sexual violence for that matter. But what Bitcoin does do, it, it, it reintroduces real ownership, it reintroduces financial autonomy, and it reintroduces borderlessness to communities and individuals who might historically have actually never experienced these privileges. And so when I talk about Bitcoin, I don't talk so much about investing in Bitcoin. I talk about transitioning into Bitcoin. And we could actually say transitioning into crypto, kind of from a kind of a more broad, broad-based perspective. And you know, when you transition into crypto, I see that as part of like reclaiming your identity and your kind of agency in a globalized world. And this is pretty special. Like Bitcoin is the kind of the prime currency for a globalized world, right? Where, where it's a borderless currency. And at the same time, because of its privacy and ownership features, it allows you to retain your individual sovereignty. Yeah, maybe uh, uh, the way that I can capture it is in the following slogan, which is kind of truly owning your own wealth is empowering in ways that can only really be understood in the margins of society. The second trend that I think we should look at is, uh, we can say is establishing authenticity. So already since the enlightenment, we can see a kind of fierce struggle between, uh, between traditional thinking and critical thought, between uh, universal truth and cultural relativism. Right? Cultural relativism is like, you know, somebody from another culture does something and we say, well, what can we say? It's their culture. Right? So we, we explain everything away. We explain difference away on the basis of that difference, which is not good enough in an interconnected world where we actually have to kind of work together. We can see that, that kind of same struggle still ongoing today in the fight against misinformation. We can see it in a kind of growing mistrust of, uh, of the global institutions and a crumbling of those institutions. You know, the ones that actually were the, the hallmarks of globalization just 40 years ago. At the same time, we can see a very strong insistence on authenticity. So in its most violent form, we can see fundamentalism, we can see separatism, and uh, kind of, you know, these violent organizations that are trying to restore order in the way that they see fit. And in a kind of more benign way, we can see people that are, um, you know, maybe they have a desire for organic food, or they want to live off the grid somewhere in a forest, or maybe they want to live in a community, kind of an off, off the grid communal setting. Um, and, and within this kind of trend where people are, are looking, they want to get away from the artificial. Uh, they want to get away from the fiat world, you know, is a desire for sound money, right? So where does Bitcoin uh, fit in, in this kind of quest for authenticity? It's about this intermediation. So Bitcoin allows for peer-to-peer -peer interaction, which you could say is the kind of um, the most authentic form of digital interaction. But Bitcoin, kind of Bitcoin as a bearer asset, uh, you know, the authenticity in that is also just about its kind of fixed scarcity or the fact that transactions can be permanent or the fact that it, um, it is transparent. And so that makes Bitcoin an authentic uh, store of value, right? And not just for an individual, but also for communities, for institutions, for corporations, for central banks. And so some would say that you know, with Bitcoin adoption, and I mean deep adoption, we can also see the emergence of a more authentic economy. All right, anyway, to close off, you know, the, the main argument is arguably humanity is becoming more mature. And I'm saying arguably because sometimes you know, on that very low, long time frame, 
it's sometimes difficult to see, to see changes happen. But if we zoom out, then we can say that humanity over time is becoming more mature. And I think that there is a very strong case to be made for Bitcoin and crypto to be part of that future. I mean, if we think about it critically, holding fiat, um, you know, it kind of suits an adolescent culture. It suits the culture of a teenager, right? You want to be, you want to have instant gratification. You want to spend, spend, spend. And I think that if you hold an anti-inflationary or disinflationary asset, that actually uh, trains your mind and trains your spending and it incentivizes postponement. So the argument here is actually against a culture of decadence and mass consumption. And instead says that Bitcoin fosters moderation. You know, Bitcoin uh, kind of encourages us to think on a longer time frame. And you could say that gold does that too, except that gold is more kind of rooted and, and focused on history, right? 4,000 or thousands of years history. And Bitcoin is more forward looking, but it's the same kind of long time frame thinking. We should also not be naive. Like we should also expect that there's going to be resistance. This is not a kind of uh, easy ride for, you know, the adoption of Bitcoin. So, um, you know, while technical traders are, are well served by technical analysis, uh, part of Bitcoin's valuation also takes place through conversation and debate. So coming Wednesday, uh, 12 May, 9 p.m., Clubhouse, check in the description, like, subscribe, follow, trade with AX, uh, read the articles, and I'm very happy.